if we get down to like one view like <laughs> and we haven't even started <laughs> i'm watching the dividing line on the side like watching our oh man have you watched the dividing line have you seen that or listened to the podcast no Mm-mm. i think uh, julian probably has told me about it yeah, yeah. like 30 times and he's haven't watched it <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I never watch it. I only listen to the podcast. I, I only watch it. I never listen to the podcast. Really? Yeah. I can't stare at James White's face that long. <laughs> <laughs> I need his, like... He's, uh, got a, he's got a face made for radio. I need his disappointed <laughs> dad look to, to really make it stick. Yeah. <laughs> James White, I swear, James White has been th- at least three separate people in his life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you watch old, old Catholic debates, he has hair. And he, he just looks so different. He's just, he looks, he's like 30 years old. He's got hair and he's like this young, bright eyed, bushy tail apologist. And then, and then like, through the 90s, he got like huge. He was, yeah. he looked like Kingpin. That's my like, favorite Dr. White. <laughs> big Dr. White is the best big, one. He, he, he lifted weights. He was like a weightlifter and he was like, fat he was just a huge guy he worked out with the guy from uh power team like they they worked out together oh really yeah he was like tearing phone books apart and stuff (laughs) i don't know if they did that for training but (laughs) running through two by fours (laughs) headbutting through ice i love that the moral of those videos too was like you do anything with jesus i'm like well maybe but i don't see how that's related to (laughs) bending bars with your teeth so I can so do did all he, things through Christ. Did he wear the colorful sweaters all throughout, or is no, that a new thing? I think it's a new thing because yeah, like a lot of the old videos I've seen. That's an old man, old Doctor White thing <laughs> that he's adopted as he's, as he's gotten old. And dad, Doctor White is. But he Dr. so when he was like in his kingpin days, it was like he would wear a suit, and that just makes it look worse. Like if yeah. you're if you're a big dude, do not wear a suit because you just look like he just looks a, fat. Just a square, and just a big <laughs> round bald yeah. head. Yeah, a big round bald head, and he—he I mean, looked like he'd mess you up. But uh, yeah, it was. And then now he's like, now he's a like on his bicycle all the time, and yeah. so now he's lost a bunch of weight, and he just looks like, uh, like old. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like reality. <laughs> yeah, he does just look like look old, but. Yeah, I love Doctor White. That was it was his book that um, brought me to to Reform Doctrine to introduce me pretty much to it all. Um, maybe that'd be a good place to start. Just kind of like not Are you came to Reform Doctrine. Yeah, not necessarily a full testimony, but um, just kind of more of where we're at, what kind of things that we're interacting with online right now. Um, so for me, uh, oh man, there's a meme. I was meaning to show. I'm going to share it with you guys. It was. Um, it's like this cartoon of this guy is like drowning in the ocean. And he's like, help me, help me. And, and well, he's just like drowning. And it's like, you want to come to a Bible study? And then the lifeguard is like, runs out there. It's like me, you know, before, you know, you know, Armenian me or free will guy me or whatever. And then under the guy drowning is a shark. It says full blown reformed doctrine. And that's pretty much how it was for me. Cause I was uh, at the university of New Mexico uh, the first time I went to college, um, before <laughs> my first attempt, and uh, I was in an Old Testament biblical Hebrew class, and uh, there was one other Christian, ironically, in that class, and he so he, he and I kind of buddied up, and uh, he had a Bible study. It was like a Thursday night, three-hour class, one day a week, 
it was brutal. It was just like you try to study Old Testament biblical Hebrew from like six to nine. It's it's brutal. So he had a Bible study that night, like afterwards, and and he lived right across from campus, and it was at his house. His church had a Bible study at his house. So he was like, "Hey, can I get a ride home?" And we're doing a Bible study. Would you want to come? I was like, "Yeah, sure." I'm, you know, that's awesome. And on the way there, he was like, "So, uh, we're we're Reformed Baptist," and I thought, I, and I thought that meant we're Baptists who have drums and electric guitar in our band. <laughs> 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 like with it up okay. to date yeah i was like me too yeah me too <laughs> and he was like he was like oh really and um you're like yeah um, i have cable too yeah he was, he, he was like he was like oh <laughs> yeah and he was like um oh really he's like well we're like calvinist and uh i was like and again to me at that time i thought that meant god knows what's going to happen <laughs> that's how my that's how my uh southern baptist nana explained it to me and uh <laughs> And she's like, yeah. So I was like, yeah, yeah, me too. And he's like, and he knew I wasn't because just from conversations of just how I was reading the Bible and stuff from class and everything. He's like, okay, just we'll, we'll get there and you'll see. Like, <laughs> you'll see what, what I'm talking about. And uh, so we get there and man, that it was like hardcore. Like everybody was in cage stage and like the whole, like everybody, it was like, it was a Calvinist Bible study reformed in it. <laughs> So I blew the back of my head right off. And um, I just, I started talking with this pastor and it was almost like, like coming to Christ. Like, you know, I was saved when I was like five. So yeah. it was almost like coming to, like, I know how, you know, when people join our church and we're talking to them and meeting them for coffee and doing things, it's like, I've been on the other side of that now because on like the reform thing and I'd say I was saved again, or that's salvation, but it, it really was just so new. And so like, it was like refreshing too, because I got through high school with like all the CS Lewis stuff and William Lane Craig and just like a lot of the Norman Geisler and um, all the Frank, like all the uh, free will stuff and evidential apologetics. And um, I was just kind of like arguing and just arguing and just feeling like I'm, I blew it and now they're going to go to hell because of me or whatever. So to find out God's in control and like he's sovereign over all these things was just so like, it, it was so uh refresh it was like a burden lifted off it was just so mm. like oh man i'm not i don't have to drive this thing awesome that's <laughs> great like this is like it's off my shoulders it's off my you know like th- that man it was it was really good and it just made sense i mean i don't know how many times i'd read romans but it was like why what was this it was never explained to me i never knew that this was a thing and then it's like yeah this is what it was first and then I was like, oh, okay. Like, this is the Protestant Reformation. This is what, you know, Protestant police. <laughs> this is literally what we started. Yeah. I was like, okay, awesome. So, yeah, that was like my whole, and then I was arguing with my pastor and like, it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like arguing with anybody I could. And uh, yeah, but I didn't actually go to uh, Reformed Church till about seven years ago, six or seven years ago with the church plant that I'm with now. Mm. Um, yeah. So that was, um, so I was always in like a, traditional church and just like arguing with people and just like i was like the calvin oh yeah i saw him he's a calvinist yeah you know <laughs> he, i was like the, the resident calvinist at all these free, traditional free will churches but um but then now so now i'm in an x29 church and um you know and I'm actually uh, in volunteer auxiliary staff intern working towards ministry so, so yeah that's kind of my deal 
Did they start reform when when you guys first started up, or was it after uh, at the well? Yeah, yeah. It was always started, uh, okay. As far as I know, it was always part of the X twenty nine network. Mm-hmm. So, well, actually, I don't think we were until like a couple years in. It was still just like a church plant, like right. in the living room, and then just we met at a coffee shop, and then we started meeting started meeting in a basement of another church, and I think that's when we like officially joined the network. And so, like a lot of people came to us because they we were part of. They could look us up and find us right. in the network. So, yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> what about I you, Jillian? I started, well, my my Calvinist journey inadvertently was was via Mormonism. Because I had, uh, the apartment complex I lived in, there was a lot of Mormons coming by for some reason during that time period. You would just run into them, like you go to the soda machine, and like, oh, they're there on the bike and stuff. Yeah, I'll be back. Good. So, uh I would start conversations with them and I would be talking to them and I would, I would have a hard time because I knew that they were wrong, but I didn't know why or how to explain it correctly. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to run into these guys. I need to do some research. So I would, I went on YouTube and typed in uh, Mormon apologetics, Mormon witnessing, whatever. And the first thing that came up was apology of studios. So back when it was just apology of church and it was Jeff Durbin on the street talking to two mormon missionaries that was the like the first thing i ever saw from them wait i knew you at this time yeah yeah i knew you at this time because i i remember coming to work and talking to you about it and i was like hey have you seen this guy have you heard about this yeah yeah so i started watching them and i was like oh this is pretty good and then going through just the suggested videos it was like okay here's he's talking to jehovah's witnesses here he's talking about post-millennialism what's that so that was actually before even anything else it was that and i was like whoa this is blowing my mind and then going down that rabbit hole because at that point, I had already started to like kind of reconcile, like, okay, there, there has to be something to this predestined thing. Like, I understand that we don't believe it, but why do we not believe it? <laughs> and then watching their videos, they really started to systematically break it down. I was like, okay, this is undeniable. Like, there's no way around this idea. There's no way to read the Bible and not come to this conclusion unless you're trying to not come to this conclusion. So starting there and then branching off into Dr. White stuff, more from that more through the videos i haven't read his books yet i'm, I'm waiting to jump in but um and a little more doug wilson just because he is post-millennial but yeah that was apology of studios was kind of the entryway from that and then what really was mind-blowing about that is once you click once you get into reform doctrine all of the other apologetic stuff just kind of falls in the line like everything else just kind of like oh this all flows yeah it all yeah. makes sense at this point because there's no more well, is God unfair? It's like, well, no, let me show you in Romans why he's not. Yeah. And it really does just, I remember uh, when I was in high school, I had a teacher, I went to a private uh, Christian school who I had a teacher who was- What was the name of that school? (laughs) That's irrelevant to the point of the story. What's the name? What's the name of the school? (laughs) So I went to a school called Rainbow Hills Baptist School. (laughs) (laughs) It's the worst name you could have got because they named the property like in the 20s. School for boys. Yeah. Turning, bo- turning boys into men. Turning boys uh, into men. So I had one teacher, who was a, <laughs> one teacher who was a Calvinist. And I remember her saying that Romans was the most controversial book in the Bible. And I was like, that's a strange thing to say. Why would it be controversial? I don't understand. <laughs> and Facebook has showed me why it's controversial. Right. <laughs> I didn't get it until I'm like, oh, it is. Apparently it's a big deal. But just, yeah. So apology, it was really my entryway to reform doctrine. And then just digging into it and going all in from there so uh, i want to say like seven years now maybe 
And I kind of bounced around from churches here too, because there's not a lot of reformed churches here. There's maybe a handful, but uh, the one I'm going to now is also in the Acts 29 network. So yeah, your pastor, I think is guest. Yeah. Yeah. My church. The one of the associate pastors. Yeah. has been over there. Oh yeah. So Abby, you're the latest convert to this kind of situation. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still in my cage stage. It's fine. <laughs> Which is uh, actually, it's, it's actually shocking because you should have the most reason to have been the first one. I know, I know, but I'm really stubborn. So, uh, I guess not this. Yeah, thanks, that is thanks. true. <laughs> it's, it's the closest true. access to the best resource. <laughs> yeah, like right away, straight to the source. <laughs> I know, and I never even asked him, like, what is it you believe? <laughs> like, you might as nope. well have been related to Calvin. <laughs> Yeah. right and instead i just went to good old uncle scott i guess thanksgiving two years ago i was in my torah observant journey i'm like all right uncle scott you're wrong like we should be observing the torah we should be doing sabbath Plaru. he's like I, just, I remember him being like don't you even go to the greek with me and i'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> i know what Plaru means <laughs> like i don't know it was really dumb that's like you but showed even- up and tried to tell bill gates how to fix his computer yeah okay. i can't even imagine scott oliphant just being like i, I don't know how to like <laughs> <laughs> yeah um. and at that time i was just like because i'm stubborn so at that time i'm like oh he's wrong he's brainwashed but then it, like some of it like stood in my mind well then i had got on facebook and i don't even know how julie and i julian and i connected but i remember calling my mom and i was like does uncle scott or jared have like a fake facebook under the name julian <laughs> because he was saying all the same things that my uncle is saying to me and my cousin and she's like uh no i'm pretty sure not is that that because you went to julian's page and saw he had no friends yeah i had no friends no pictures no (laughs) anything this is weird yeah like this is a russian bot they're, (laughs) they're fishing me yeah and then i remember watching Calvinist I didn't even know my uncle was in the documentary I saw him and I'm like hey there's my uncle <laughs> and so I think awesome. all that just kind of lined fell into line and then finally getting to talk to him in person after telling him that he was wrong was <laughs> nice <laughs> did you just like come in hot of just like oh I came uh, in with a full notebook I came in oh, with a notebook of a why he was wrong and this was that Thanksgiving were you wearing yeah. a prayer shawl at the time <laughs> no <laughs> No. You like tear you like, ah, on you or ashes. Ah, like beating your chest. I was trying to explain yeah. that the heresy. Did you, did you grow up watching Abby those um they were Hanna Barbera Bible stories? No. Mm-mm. Oh, they're horrible. They're the great, the great adventure. Yeah, the greatest adventure. It's like I, I don't even know how the story goes, but it's oh, there were three archaeologists and they found a secret passageway that led them into time to Bible times. And they interact with like Bible stories. But they end up going to the time when Jesus was on trial and they show him before the high priest and he says that he it's the whole verse where he's like, You'll see me coming in the clouds at the right hand of the father. And the Pharisee, the high priest in the video is like, ah, just rips his shirt off <laughs> out of distress over the blasphemy. And I want more than anything in my life to have one of those moments. Like, I, I want so bad to just have to, yeah, just have to rip a sleeve off and cry. I mean, I, I know that that was common in biblical times, but like, what did the women do when they were distressed? Stay quiet. <laughs> they weren't in the assembly. What are you talking about? Loud. <laughs> Oh, that was, that was later at home when the husband came. Yeah, like you better shut up. And, yeah. 
I wonder, did they shave their heads too when they were mourning? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they're allowed to do anything other than shut up. I don't yeah. know when jo- when Job was mourning, his wife was like <laughs> nagging him, like just die already. That's, the <laughs> That's point. true. Just curse God to die. <laughs> Terrible wife. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> he really didn't have a great wife, did he? Or friend. Job's <laughs> like the worst life situation. Your all your kids die, your property gets destroyed, and your friends show up to criticize you and ask you what you're lying about. <laughs> you're wrong. You're guilty. Look at what, yeah, what happened. Just admit it already. <laughs> Job is one of the hardest books to me, though. It's so like hard to read because of the length. I'm, I'm, yeah, and it's just like poetic, and I'm like not poetic. I, I, every time, every time I read it, I forget how how song has a song like how poetic it is, and yeah. it's, like, it's like Psalms. It's like a yeah, and it's like it's wisdom literature. And uh, I, just, I don't know why I just like forget that every time I'm reading it. I'm like, man, this is like it is like reading Proverbs or something. Just kind of going through it. But is, Ezekiel was hard for me to read because it's Ezekiel was not. He's like it repeats itself over and over and over. Like yeah. It reminds me of reading um, what's his name? Scarlet Letter. What was his name? Hawthorne. Yeah, Hawthorne, who had to give you every detail about everything in the room that he's writing about that's irrelevant <laughs> to the rest of the story. They got paid by the word like. back then. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like my husband's stories. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was being serialized, so he had to fill up so many pages an issue. Yeah, that's how. That's how. That's why Dickens' books are so long because he literally he was writing them in the newspaper and periodicals, and he got paid by the word. <laughs> really stretching it out. <laughs> oh man! Like a school so, uh, word count. We we got comments already, so I'm gonna look at a few here. Uh, right. Ernie Lawrence. We're gonna start with Ernie's because it's the one it's, that I was waiting for. The usual suspects. Uh, yeah, the usual suspects. Uh, sounds like your faith is based on these men, white, the Apologia guys, and that other W guy you mentioned, rather than the Bible itself. <laughs> Haven't heard much Bible at all tonight. Oh, so starting hot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, the charge I would give back is that uh, Ernie, most of the time when you have an argument, you link it to yourself. So I'd say that a lot of your doctrine comes from yourself rather than anything else. Yeah, there's there's uh, a I think we're talking about this this weekend that we're we're solo scriptura, but we're not so low scriptura. Yeah. Is, yeah, um, and that's kind of. Go ahead, go Solomon. Ahead. No, go ahead. I was just saying that kind of is saying that God can't use other people to open someone's eyes. You right. Know what I, mean? I mean, the idea that the danger of you know, all I need is a Bible and me. Like that's a that's a dangerous place to get started. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's, yeah, it's it's a easy cop out. It's an easy accusation of like, if, if there's any sentence that's not from scripture, it's not a Bible verse. It's like, oh well, then that's just completely unreliable. That's right. completely uh, false, or just I can give or take it at, at all, you know. And it's just that's just not true, you know. A lot. I mean, we we have to re we have to have these things explained. We have to be taught. We have to be teachable from elders i'm from people in the church from big c big c and little c church of just like being these people have done this for 50 years or something so they might have something to say about romans you know (laughs) so read romans and then you know read commentary and read things about it and yeah that's perfectly fine yeah i think it's it's a strange idea to to say that if you've learned it from somebody then it's not valid and you're basing your your beliefs on the doctrines of men like 
it, it's almost as if it, he's framing the question as if somebody said, oh, well, Calvinism. We were like, oh, okay, obviously, as if we didn't go like, check this out, read the Bible, see if this actually bears out. You know? Yeah. I think a lot of times when we read the Bible too, you know, because I see Nick saying, you know, I came to reform <laughs> position with, from scripture alone. I didn't learn the terms camps or people until much later. Um, yeah. I think that's it. I could probably say the same thing, even though I did read James White's The Sovereign Grace of God, it was just 90% scripture on every page. It was, right. it was there. So he, was, he just kept pointing to scripture. It wasn't an idea that he had or something that he was trying to read into scripture. It was like, look at scripture. Look what this is saying. And a lot of times I, people read the Bible and just come to those sort of problem passages and just don't really deal with them or don't wrestle with them or just gloss over or I don't know, just accept the smallest little explanation of, of what they are without um, really going into it. So, yeah, it's, it's weird. We need to really wrestle with those things and find out what they actually mean instead of just glossing them over and reading what other people's ideas into it. Because, um, yeah, all this came from Scripture. Which, honestly, I think if we did it that way, I probably wouldn't have come to Reformed Theology. <clears throat> because when I was an Armenian, that's what I did do. I would say, hey, I don't understand this. What does this mean? And have somebody tell me like, oh, well, this is how we resolve that. Like, oh, okay. So that's what you say. You know, like there was no question. Yeah. And it was always with logic or philosophy right. or other, it wasn't scripture. And that's, that's one of the biggest things that, that free will Armenian stuff made sense to me mm -hmm. as a person. Right. You know, but it didn't make sense to scripture as far as like, well, what does that mean? Predestined, like, the elect, you know, before found it, like, what are you, what is that talking about? Like, what do you mean? And so we, we try to take those things and reconcile it to our mind into some sort of human understanding. It's like, well, it's like your wife, you wouldn't, you wouldn't force your wife to love you. Would you It's like, okay, we can't interpret scripture that way. That's the human interaction, the human understanding. That's putting God in the place of a human. And that's where it really comes down to is you don't know who you are and you don't know who God is. Mm. That's the big thing. The nature of man and the nature of God will really shed so much light on these things. Have y'all seen R.C. Sproul's uh, What's Wrong With You People? Yes. Thing? <laughs> his little, his, have you seen that, Abby? Yeah. He's yeah. like, and that, that question is like, why was the punishment for the fall so harsh? And he's like, harsh <laughs> you know he let you live yeah. and he let them you know he covered them with skins and he provided a way and these other things you know and you think it's too harsh like what's wrong with people that's what it is and he says you know that's the problem is you don't know who you are and you don't know who god is mm. and that's really like I'm, I'm seeing more and more from interactions on facebook and stuff what it comes down to is that people think we are you know creating the image of god means pretty much god right you know and right. it's like that no you are still clay you're still the created thing and and that's the context that's the anthropology of man throughout the bible it is not this partnership that that we come into uh as as any sort of equal with god you know that we we have covenants and, and he makes those covenants but he's the one that makes them i was listening to um y'all listen to the white horse in mm, i haven't started um, <laughs> That one is really good. That one is, that's a really, I've, I've listened to it before and just kind of drift away from it, but man, that one's really good. Uh, Michael Horton, man, he is solid. And they were talking about the Abrahamic covenant and how when God made the covenant with Abraham, it, he made the covenant. And so like, I'm going to do, we're going to do it too much, but 
you know, they cut the animals in half and then they walk through them basically. So that was the custom of the day of to make a covenant between two people is to say, cut the animals in half, walk through them, basically saying, if I break this covenant, may this happen, you know, to me kind of thing. And so in, so God, and it's in God did that. It wasn't Abraham that walked through the animals. Mm -hmm. It was God who walked through the animals saying, right. You're you're not making this covenant and promises and things and holding on to me. I am making this covenant with you. And so that's the security from God, not from us, from God to, uh, in this covenant. And so from the very, from Abraham, from the very beginning, this is God's salvation is God's covenant is God's and the promises are God's. And so not ours. And we, we, we are blessed to be participate in that in, in, we were made his children, but yeah. And so that's, that's, what we have to understand of like, we are a man and he is God. And we're, that's not what created in his image means. That's where it always goes. Have y'all noticed that? Like, that's where it always goes. Free will is, is part of our godly attributes. Or whatever right. that we're yeah. And I think that's a big problem with uh, like the American church. Cause most people are taught, okay, I'm going to accept Jesus into my heart and I'm going to choose him as almost like, Jesus dying on the cross was only a option, you know, when he said it is, it is finished. If you choose me, you right. know what I mean? Like it's finished if you choose me. And then, it, and that has God in, God in heaven, like this sovereign God in heaven being like, please choose me, please choose me. Oh, please make the right decisions. Oh, I hope you take my son's sacrifice. Like that's not a sovereign God at all in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Oh, and going, you know, even further back to like Genesis, when you talk about how, you know, obviously, often we think of our free will as like when we think of in the image of God, how we're just like a step removed from God. But like, if you look in Genesis, as soon as they sin, their first thing that they attempt to do is sew fig leaves together. Like that's their attempt to cover their sin is to sew fig leaves together and be like, well, we did our best. But it's yeah, right from the beginning, it's insufficient. Like their, their attempt to cover their sin is insufficient and no one can cover it but God. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how that you don't get that from the beginning going forward. Everything that you're going to do to try to to justify yourself is insufficient. If God does not intervene, you cannot be redeemed. Yeah. Right. It was the first animal sacrifice to, right. to, to make the, by God to make the skins to cover Adam and Eve because their, their coverings of fig leaves were insufficient. And that goes right to Cain and Abel of the offering of vegetation versus the offering of uh, meat and blood, you know, right. that Abel, that Abel gave Cain gave vegetation, the fig leaves and Cain, or uh, Abel gave uh, meat, blood sacrifice. And that's the sufficient. The wage of sin is, is death, death, you know? Right. So that's the blood. And so there's, again, that divide of like, this is not sufficient. And so it has, the blood must be shed. So, but that's, from, so the very, that's cruel. from the very beginning. We don't like that. <laughs> that's not a God that we want to, that we feel comfortable with. We want a God that we can be friends with. That's not the loving yeah. God I know. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for a God that we can be friends <laughs> with, who he's, he's super understanding if you mess up because everybody makes mistakes. It's not your fault yeah yeah and that's another problem too is that we've been under this illusion i think that god loves all people and all people are god's children when there's such a distinction made in the bible i mean so many verses even from knowing if god's seed abides in you to not i mean you can't there's a different there's a differentiation between those in christ and those not in christ and i mm-hmm. think america has them all under one category and doesn't differentiate the two at all Mm-hmm. What I mean, every analogy they use is about separating. Like, sep- you separate wheat from tares. You separate sheep from goats. You don't, yeah. you don't turn sheep into goats or wheat into tares. You separate them from each other. Like, that's just not understood for some. Re- I guess because we're not an agricultural society as much. 
Yeah. Like we don't get the idea that like, no, you have to get the bad stuff out for the good stuff to flourish. That's how this process works. And then the refining is obviously the one that pertains to us. Like now we have to refine you, but first of all, there's a separation process that's just completely overlooked in every way. Yeah. Well, something that, um, I don't want, I don't want Ernie to get too mad. So let's look at scripture <laughs> for a second. Um, so something that I, that not necessarily like I just discovered, but it's kind of one of those like, oh yeah, regeneration, uh, Ephesians two, just in 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 thinking about the uh, anthropology of man, like what is man? What are we? Well, we are body and soul, or body and spirit, right? And Ephesians two, you were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, uh, dead, and that's, I mean. In the that, Greek, it, trans, it translates to corpse, like yeah. dead. Like not moving, not sick, not, you know, ill, not wounded, dead. Like, in that's the thing. What can dead men do? What can dead things do? Nothing, nothing. They can't even receive anything. Like dead, dead things can do nothing. And, and it's in what, what, what's, what's been striking like lately to me, because I've always known this, this has always been there. And that's part of the regeneration. We are dead. And he makes us alive in Christ. But what's been like, been, what I'm seeing people say, it's, it's really worse than they think of what they're saying. Because the, the death that we're in, our deadness is in juxtaposition, juxtaposition of the life that God brings in Christ. Mm. So if we're not that dead, then it's not that much life. Like it, if, they're, if they're trying to downplay the deadness, they're also, they have to be down at the same time downplaying the life that Christ, that God brings in Christ. Mm. So, because they're, they're absolutely opposed in Ephesians two, you know, for by grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing It's the gift of God. Um, oh, but, but uh, in verse four, but God being rich in his mercy, because the great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved and raised up with him. So while we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. So that made us alive together with Christ. That's awesome. But it's only awesome because the deadness that we were in. Hmm. So it's not right. like we were sick and he kind of healed us or we needed some help and he helped us out. We were dead and he made us alive. So if you're going to downplay that deadness, you have to be downplaying that life that God brings. And that's, I don't, no one wants to do that. that, that I don't think anybody wants to do that. So <laughs> Cause that's, that's the life that he brings. So that's something that's been um, kind of, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, just Ephesians two and our deadness and the life that Christ brings. And just like, we know the life is awesome. We know that's great. Well, okay. So the deadness must be great as well. It must be deep deadness as well. So yeah. While you were dead. But Even that's not, <clears throat> I mean, and you get so many weird, weird ideas from that idea of like well, we're not dead we're just wrong and we need to be corrected yeah like it's just do you do you remember i don't remember the guy's name even he was going to church regularly but he didn't believe in any way and uh, uh, is that the one i called an apostate on facebook i don't know it might have been no this was a while back because i remember at the time um you talk about the well yeah, yeah, but this was like way back. I think before Al was even pastoring. Um, yeah, yeah. 
and the the pastor at the time told you well Ed, not to correct him because as long as he's still in church there's a chance for him to hear whatever yeah i i, I think i know what you're talking about i think it is the guy we got into it on facebook and it, it, that was a situ- weird situation because he was coming like to bible study to church with his bible had yeah. comment new chapter and verse and and I had talked with him. We had talked philosophy. We had talked stuff. And uh, I thought we were pretty good friends. You know, we, we, we were pretty good friends at, yeah. at church. And so he posted something that was like super liberal. And so I just like politically. And so we kind of got to talking about that, you know, and then that kind of, that course led to moral issues, which led to the Bible. And, uh, and again, I'm thinking I'm talking to a brother, you know, and I'm like, bro, you know, because I've heard him say like in community group and stuff like, truth so it's like okay i know he knows the bible and believes in god in 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 these things but he was just coming out as like no like it was basically like christian his christianity was something he did on the weekends Mm -hmm. you know it was like well this is just my thing i do on sundays like you know and everybody's right everybody has their thing this is my thing and there was no um sincerity there's no like really belief uh exclusive belief in that he that he was that this is the way the truth and the life um, so I was, we we're going to go at it and then finally it, it got stupid. And, uh, yeah, so I, I would say I was wrong because he, he ultimately, it ultimately came down to him saying, okay, enjoy your jihad. <laughs> and I said, okay, enjoy your apostasy. And, and yeah, so that was not one of the better moments, but, um, yeah, so that got me to talking to by the pastor, which I think rightly so, as far as like, hey, look, man, uh, Facebook, first of all, is not the best place to have a conversation like <laughs> Wait, that. Are you telling me Facebook is not a, I know. a profitable platform for debate? Well, I'll tell you what, if you ask anybody else on here, they'll say, yes, this is the perfect place to have a debate back and forth <laughs> in the Facebook comment thread, which I, that blew me away. Somebody said that one time. I was like, because I want a face-to-face like this, trying to set it up, like, right. you know, like we try to do. And they're like, no, this is, it's better on Facebook comment threads. Like, <laughs> are you out of your mind? <laughs> you got 20 people chiming in on different comment threads and different replies and, and all kinds of stuff. And yeah, but yeah. The, the, so, the part that stuck out to me about that was that I, I remember the, um, as long as he's here, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I wonder how many approaches that is to like most churches where it's like, well, as long as they're in church, you yeah. know, there's always a chance. Like, yeah, we're, we're 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 throwing them we're we're throwing them lifelines. As long as they're sitting here, they can still get it. Like yeah, trying to convince people, trying to talk you into it. Like yeah, hey, why don't you try this out? Hey, this might be a good idea. Yeah, is your life yeah. fixing? I, I think that I think that's I I think that's mostly okay. Honestly, like that sort of I don't say seeker sensitive, but just the just sensitive to to mm-hmm. people in general. No, like, I'm out of this conversation now. <laughs> well not because but it does get to the point of compromise if you're right. compromising truth and not speaking truth because you're afraid someone will get upset then then you have a problem and i think that's that's you know when you're doing that you know right um right. And, and you know when you're not so i think that's something to really consider as far as our interactions and stuff it's like look i want to be compassionate and, and uh and just keep having a conversation i don't want you to block me <laughs> I don't want you, you know, but at the same time, you know, I don't want to compromise truth and I want to tell you what's true. And it's a hard line to, to speak that truth in love. Um, mm. Yeah, for sure. 
because I mean, especially on Facebook, because you get into like, well, do I want to win the argument or do I want to tell you the truth? Like, what am I trying yeah. to do at this point? Am I trying to win or am I trying to tell you the actual truth of this? Yeah, who said it? Win the win, win the person, not the argument. Right, that's right. What we're trying to do. Right. That's uh, have, had, Ray Comfort had a whole movie about that called. Uh, I haven't watched it. Yet. It's called Banana Man. <laughs> Where it, it, he basically talks Banana about Banana Man. Like, yeah, it's called Banana Man because it was. <laughs> Uh, a derogatory term that atheists would use to talk about Ray Comfort. They call him the banana man because of one of the arguments he made one time using a banana. And uh, he said, you know, it used to really irritate him because it was basically a way for them to just dismiss him as some idiot. He's just some rube. But since they just saw him as some rube, they would engage him looking to just make him look stupid. And he mm. said, well, once they've engaged me, now I have the opportunity to give them the gospel. So mm. them giving me this stupid nickname and me looking like an idiot to the world has enabled me to share my faith with more people in that way. So, I mean, yeah, it, it it's works. It's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Ray Comfort's one of those guys that I actually really admire because he's out there, man. Like, every day is doing it. Yeah. Yeah, he's – yeah. What, a, what, what kind of confuses me is the amount of people that say that God is completely sovereign, but we choose. Yeah. That, that totally confuses me big time. So uh, this is something I was I was I was talking about with um, I think you Julian I can't remember um, uh, yeah I did I think I threw it out there just like on, in, in text or something about us having a, a semblance of choice in right. our ignorance of what of the elect or of right. God's plan and stuff uh, because we are hum- human and we are our knowledge is limited so when this is presented to us, it, it's undeniable to say that I chose this. <clears throat> I was there. I thought about it. I had these thoughts. I had these feelings. Right. I didn't see this before. It blew me away. I experienced that. And I made a choice that day to reject this way of life. Stop hanging out with these friends. Stop doing that. I made a choice to wake up early and read my Bible. I made these choices. So that's very hard to come when someone says, Hey, you didn't make a choice. I didn't like what what do you mean like I I felt it and I I I was there and so but they're putting that as the as the like penultimate experience or the penultimate plan Mm -hmm. of it's like yes you're right and Joseph's brothers wanted to throw him into slavery right right like they chose to do that right they thought about it they deliberated that they were gonna kill him and they put in the pit and they were like they made some choices there you're right and they (laughs) reasoned and came out and as we see in Genesis 50 that was for what they meant for evil, God meant for good. Not cleaned up or saw saw happen and then came and turned around, but what you meant for evil, God meant for good. At the I same wanna, time. I want to on a comment real quick. Ernie's having a, a conversation with I think him and Nick are talking yeah, about Ernie. Ernie uh, it's the same as self-righteousness or earning salvation. We can't devise our own way to heaven. We can understand God's plan and trust him and choose to follow his plan. So my question back would be, uh, can we stop his plan by not choosing to follow it? Is his plan dependent on us deciding to follow his plan? Well, even that we can understand God's plan, that's, that might be giving us a little too much too power. Much it's like our, we can understand uh, what can, again, what can dead men do? Nothing. And, you know, so dead men, there's no understanding from a corpse, you know? So it truly is that regeneration first. It's not the, the, the picture people have in their heads is, you know, and, and I'm sure you guys have heard this is uh, we're all drowning and God throws a life preserver out, right. one of those rings out and just 
just grab it, just reach out. It's right there. Just grab it. You know, as a classic, uh, Pelagianism cartoon of that of like I think Reftunes has one and <laughs> Pelagius is like throwing out oh yeah to the, the there's skeleton. all these yeah. skeletons in the water and he's throwing out a life preserver because just just reach out <laughs> and when uh, I think it's R.C. Sproul put it this way of like we're what the actual case is that we are dead under a rock at the bottom of the sea that's what it really looks like right. and God reaches down and pulls us out and that's and regenerates us and makes us alive then we can make a right choice of choosing him because choosing him would be to do a good deed would be something that pleases God. And we see in Romans, we cannot, the flesh cannot please God. Mm -hmm. right. Talk about talking about Ephesians, you know, it was like, what a dead man do nothing. And then some guy was saying, what are you talking about? We're up walking around. We're, uh, we're not dead. We're up. We're, we're making decisions. We're up walking around and everything. But Ephesians says in the flesh, you do all those things in the flesh. And I say, I agree. Your body is walking around doing things and making choices and, and, and living, but your, your spirit is dead. So we were body and spirit. And so you're right. Your body is up walking around making decisions, but they're only decisions that please the flesh. They cannot please God. And so until our, our spirit is regenerated, then we can do a good deed. We can make a right choice. Yep. Yeah. I don't understand how, like you said, the flesh is hostile to God. It can't submit to God. It can't please God. So how how can we be walking around in the flesh and be like, oh, I think I'll make a righteous decision if the Bible says we can't do that? Yeah. Not, well, not in the flesh. And I've had someone ask that to you before. Like, well, isn't it unfair election? Isn't election unfair? Like, why is it these people are chosen? What if somebody who's not elect wanted to be saved? And I was like, well, that's not a situation that's ever happened in the history of the world. The, no, one, no one wants to be saved and isn't. They're only saved because God gives them that desire to be saved. Like there is no, there's no one like, I wish God would choose me. Like that does not happen. Yeah. You, if, you, if you lined up every sinner in the world and told them you can have free will all, or you can have uh, salvation, all you have to do is reject your sin and submit to God. There's not one of them that would take it. In, in their natural state, not it's, a single one. Yeah. And it's their nature. It's, it, it's that's they're choosing what they want according to their right. nature. So they're not unhappy with their rejection right. of, of God. And, you know, I use the illustration of a vulture in a room with a bowl of carrots and a dead bunny. There's no cage around the bowl of carrots, but what will the vulture choose? The dead bunny every single time. Why? Because that is his nature to do that. He will choose that death every single time. There's nothing restricting him from the carrots. Right. But that is just his nature. He likes the vileness. He, he likes he, the death. He needs the death. That's he wants, wants. That's what he wants. Mm -hmm. Until his nature is changed, then he can choose rightly. So, but, but until then, we'll happily choose it. And Doug Wilson talks about that. He's saying, like, no one goes to hell. Because we have this idea of thinking, like, as soon as we see, as soon as we're at judgment, oh, now they know. Now the atheists know. Right. And they're, you know shouldn't there be a last like well now they know let them in you know now they believe once they've died and seen um but Doug was an interesting point he, he, he was saying that he's like i don't i don't think so i think they're still like no i'm right i you know i, I think even at judgment even at even being judged by god I, he, he says i think they're still like you know i think you're wrong i think you know this is, this is my and then all the way to hell, like in that state of like, I, you know, this is, this works for me. And then they rise into the gates of hell. But I, I liken it to um, Lord of the Rings when uh, 
Gollum has the ring. He finally gets the ring in Mordor and he he has it and he's clutching it and he's falling right into and he's happy. He's got a smile on yeah, his face. Smiling the whole He has his he has his he has the ring. That's all he ever wanted. And right into hell. And so he's happily, happily going into hell. Not kicking and screaming, being cast in again, you know, against their will. It's like I think that is what it's like because that's what it is on earth. And so And I mean that's kind of the story of the Exodus. Like ten plagues and then Pharaoh is like, I still think I can get them back. I still think I need these slaves. Like all of that happens. Firstborn are dead. Hail has ruined everything. Locusts have eaten everything, and he's still like, no, I still think I can win this. Yeah, it's 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 bizarre. Yep. I I like to imagine that after this Red Sea closed on them and drowned all his troops, he was like, well, if I get another thousand guys, I think I can still take them. Oh, like at yep. no point was he willing to submit to God. It just it wasn't going to happen. Jeez. Well, Sorry, guys. Because God hardened his heart. He had no right. choice. Right. Right. Or, well, I mean, or even the generation that was leaving Exodus, they, they saw all the plagues, they saw the fire, they saw the cloud, they saw the manna, they saw the water, and still yeah. total still, unbelief. Yeah. They saw all of it. Still, did you bring us out here to die? Like, well, no, right. obviously not, but <laughs> I mean, now you're going to, so I don't know what you want. Yeah. 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 I think we get sort of a, uh, I think C.S. Lewis calls it like a chronological piety or chronological uh, arrogance of like, we look back and be like, I would have chosen. I would right. have, if I'd seen all that, you know, mm-hmm. I would have. It's like, uh, I, used to I, w- think I wouldn't that have way. eaten the tree, you know. <laughs> it's yep. like, well, you do every day, so. Right. <laughs> yep. I used yeah. to think, oh, if God would just show himself like he did in the Old Testament, then then I think it'd be easier for people to believe, but. Well, I think we talked about this before when in, in uh, Luke, when Jesus is telling the story of, of Lazarus and the rich man, yeah. and the rich man says, you know, send Lazarus back to my brothers. And he's like, well, they have the prophets. And they say, well, if they see someone rise from the dead, they'll believe. And they said, if the prophets and, and law aren't good enough, they won't believe somebody who rises from the dead. And then Jesus literally rises from the dead. The Pharisees know about it because the guards tell them, and they still don't believe, don't believe. and pay them off to lie. Like that, you can't have a clearer representation yeah. of the fact that a sign is not what converts anybody yeah right. there's no convincing yeah that's a big one because they he's talking about essentially exactly what we have the the law and the prophets right you know so it's like well we have that if they're so he's saying if you don't have no one to say from the bible then they're not going to get saved at all yeah you know period. i remember the debate between gordon stein and Aaron, uh, um, greg bonson uh he i think he asked bonson asked stein what would be proof what would you have to see to to know that there's a god he said if the podium levitated right now <laughs> but then he immediately but then he immediately and there were no possibility of special effects and there were no strings and there was no possibility you know like <laughs> okay you're right he just immediately has to go into all these caveats of seeing a right. sign because yeah. the reality is there just is nothing nothing well, at all and that's what we do with the with the world around us is we see we, this is a sign you're up and you're up and alive. Your consciousness is a miracle. All right. Like it just, we, we have it all around us all the time, but we're immediately like, well, you know, this is what it is. And it's, you know, uh, random matter acting on chance. And it's like, okay, you're just denying the truth in your unrighteousness. And that's the Romans two. Like we, it's, the, it's clear from the creative world around us that there is a God. And you know, our unrighteousness, we suppress that truth. That was something that that just like I think Apologia was first I, first time I account, encountered that with Jeff Durbin mm-hmm. talking about like 
they know you 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 know that that's a presuppositional thing of epistemology like we know that everyone knows there's god there's no atheist right. we know there's a god but we're suppressing that truth in our unrighteousness and exchanging the truth for a lie and deciding to worship the created thing rather than the creator and the created thing is usually the self and reason right yeah the one who baffles created. me the most uh I, I saw shapiro on rogan show the last time he was on rogan and they were talking about the religion and Shapiro baffles me because he does the whole, he wears the hat, he does all the laws, he, you know, everything, but he doesn't know if there's an afterlife. He doesn't believe hat. in supernatural miracles. He doesn't believe in a literal Messiah. Like, then why are you doing any of the things you're doing? You're functionally an atheist. Why are you doing all the other stuff? Like, it doesn't For make good, sense. The social fabric of the yeah. good. Yeah. It makes zero sense. So it's a moralism. I guess. I mean, and he is a little smarmy that does, <laughs> he looks like the kind of guy that would like to feel moral morally superior from that yeah so uh something that let's, let's get ernie back in here because ernie's ernie and nick are, are going back and forth <laughs> ernie said something a second ago that because they were talking about the fall and i've talked right. with, with ernie about this before too uh he thinks there was death before the fall death built into the design have is, you heard this before have you heard of that besides from ernie uh no i want to say ernie if you're if you're awake let me let me go grab my charger real quick i'll be back okay yeah let me find the exact i don't know if i want to see that too i don't know if i want to i don't know if i want to take him away from nick though yeah (laughs) he said uh the death of adam was spiritual the physical death was part of the design so like physical death was part of the design of before the fall from the beginning yeah yeah i just don't understand that of like um just by the sin death entered the world like right that's i guess a spiritual death that there was i don't know that's that one i've never heard that before is that a church of christ thing or like i mean i've never heard of the church of christ until ernie so (laughs) oh really yeah i wasn't aware of it as a thing oh man you never knocked on your door no i only get jehovah's witnesses over here I had, I had a couple of Church of Christ. I've, I've known some people that were Church of Christ, but then I had a couple of Church of Christ people knock on my door and uh, got to talking with them. And they're, uh, yeah, the water, the water saves you. And Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, we did. I've talked about that with him before. Yeah. They didn't mention about death before the fall, though. I don't know if that's a... I don't know. I know Ernie is big into anything. his own philo- like philosophy, too. So that might be, I don't know. That might be something from somewhere else. Yeah. Man, I don't want to. I don't want to take him away from Nick. Nick's I know. <laughs> out Greek on him. <laughs> can you guys still hear me? I just yeah. got my head. Okay. We can hear yeah. You. Yeah. That's one of the other. I. You know what I, I found? Because I. I was aware of Seventh Day Adventists. I actually went to school with the guy who was a Seventh Day Adventist, but I didn't know anything about it. And then I found one of their books at Goodwill. One of like their material mm. called uh i think it's the first one the great controversy or something like that yeah they, they knocked on one. my door too and, and handed me one of those i've never had that i've never had oh, them I show up either. I, I think i have one of those and i've never read it i think this guy came up and gave it to me dude the text yeah, is give... like this big it's so dense it's yeah. a lot to read i know the book's like this big and i was like oh, okay cool <laughs> and i opened the text i'm like oh it's yeah this book could be this big <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. ridiculous there's a lot of stuff I had I didn't know about until getting on here. Like Seventh Day Adventist was new, uh, Hebrew Roots was new, and I still don't know the difference between Hebrew Roots and Torah observance because they say they're different, but they functionally seem like the same thing. And Judaizers. 
Yeah. Basically. How, how do they say how do they say there's a difference? Because I don't really I mean, I don't really feel like there's a difference. So the Torah observant person that I talked to said that they're not Hebrew roots, that they're different, but didn't really explain how, because when we were talking about it, it just sounded like the same thing. Yeah, I feel like it's pretty much the same thing. It, like I don't functionally it sounds completely the same. I guess Torah observant people can also say that they're reform and Hebrew roots people can't. I don't know how that works really. I mean, can, you break, can you break down Torah observant? I've, I'd never heard of that before you and, yeah. and your, your crowd. Yeah, I think, I think it's really, it, it makes sense to all the Americans that have been fed the American gospel because we're all right. told, ask Jesus into our heart, you're saved. And then everyone's left wondering like, well, now what? Like, how do we be obedient? How do we, mm. you know, how do we serve him? How do we pick up our cross? Yeah. And so if you don't, if you don't really like understand now what, then it, you get totally sucked in because it, it takes, it takes everything that's in the word and it puts a really good spin on it. So mm. when they say they, they, they believe that they're only saved through Christ, but that when it says that he wrote the the commands on our hearts that he's writing Torah on our hearts to compel us to observe and to obey the Torah. And that I'm agreeing so far. This, right. See, that's the... tricky because when I was talking to one of them, I'm like, my theonomy was like, okay, well, I guess we're in the same yeah, boat. Yeah. But then the it's not too. because it gets weirder. Because I think theonomists yeah. really think about the law and, and, and emphasize the law a lot. And I think but we, there's no, Christians do have an aversion to the law that I think is right. not okay. It's not good. Right. And, and I think that there's no breaking, like there's no breaking up. There's no, um, but, but all of them are kind of different, you know, because some people still would, would sacrifice in temples and some absolutely wouldn't. Some that's the one that's the most bizarre to me. There's people that would still be sacrificing. Yeah. And so I think it just kind of yeah. depends on the teachers that you're listening to, but at the end of the day, I mean, you end up kind of believing that you're only saved if you're observing Torah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you you profess that you don't believe that, but you believe that. So you have to keep the law. Is it is it is it kind of like what these once saved all people against once saved always saved people are saying of like you have it and you drop it, you have it and you drop it. You got to get it back and then you drop it and then yeah, constant. I have I haven't met anybody that's Torah observant that thinks that you can't lose your salvation. You're it's okay. it's, it's it's an obedience like and and they say like you know, the verse that, um, walk like he walked. So they're saying, well, he, well, he fulfilled the Torah. So we need to do it. Like it's, it's just an kind of not understanding that we can't like we, we (laughs) cannot fulfill it perfectly. Like there's no way me and any of my being can fulfill it like perfectly. But then we overlook, like if we, if we don't fulfill one thing, we're guilty of all of it. And Mm -hmm. it's like, they, they kind of believe well, if I'm just really trying hard enough, then I'm enough. not guilty of all of it. You, yeah, yeah. If I'm really God. trying, then it's good enough. And that's not what the Bible says at all. It's like if God, you're guilty God's of one, on you're guilty of all of it. Yeah, and I think that's one thing Julian's always said is like the thing that kind of surprises him the most is people think that we actually can. Yeah, like knowing I, – I, I told her there's if there's a man alive that says he can go through his entire day without lusting or becoming angry at somebody, he's a liar. Like I'll, I'll bet everything I have that he's a liar. Well, the Bible says you're a liar. If right. you say you don't have sin, you're made God a liar. You deceive yourself, yeah. Yeah. Well, that – and I think that um, a, lot of, a lot of it plays on, like, lawlessness. Like, what they don't – many don't believe that 
and a lot of people actually what i'm finding out don't believe that like when christ came and he covered all the sins for his sheep they don't believe that really yeah that's that that's one thing where like the past and the future sins right and they don't they don't really see that they believe like if you're not following the torah you're lawless and lawless is sin is transgression of the law and they really really hone in on that and so they say that if you aren't obeying torah and you aren't doing everything in your power to obey all of the torah then you're lawless therefore what is that what is that verse uh something about you workers of iniquity you lawlessness you workers of iniquity. yeah yeah right but where it, I mean, where it really breaks down for me and where I think it's, it's indefensible is the sacrifice argument. Because, like, I, I, I've heard the argument before, well, we don't have a temple, so we can't make sacrifices. But the sacrificial system predated the temple. Sure. The temple didn't the, – the sacrifices weren't instituted with the temple. They predated mm -hmm. it. And then not only that, the, the priesthood is gone, right? And one of the big things they always say is, well, God can't remove a portion of the law because that would mean that he changed and God doesn't change. Okay, well, the priesthood is gone. So what? Did God abolish the priesthood or are we just not doing it? Should we still be doing it? Because if, if Jesus is our high priest, but not in the order of Aaron, in the order of Melchizedek. Mm -hmm. So either God made before, a new priesthood that superseded man, right, it predates the Aaronic priesthood, right? Way exactly. Old. Way before. So that whole idea really falls apart when you get to the sacrificial system for me. Like there's no way to defend it in any way that makes sense. It, none of it. If they really believe, then they should have a tabernacle somewhere and they should be making sacrifices. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, that's that's a that's a hard one of the once saved, the once saved, always saved. The, the it attacks on once saved, always saved. And it, I think we have to define that. Every time someone brings that up or every time that's presented we have to define that. Like, okay, do you mean I can say a prayer and just live any way I want? Because right. I, I don't agree with that. Like right. you're right. That's right. So, and I think that's really what it is. I, it, it seems to be like what, it, like once saved, always saved means to them is, well, you could do whatever you want. You could just say you're, uh, say you're a Christian, say you're saved and that's it. You I'm going to go do an eight ball of Coke. That's what somebody told me. <laughs> I'm going to go do a eight ball of Coke because you said I'm saved. And that's yeah. the, well, that's the deficiency of, this, the, of the... Let's have, let's have a love affair tonight. Right. <laughs> right. That's, oh, the, that's the deficiency of the Armenian gospel. It's like, well, you just say this prayer and you're saved. You chose Jesus. You said the spell. You did the spell right. So yeah. you're saved now. You got your golden ticket. And right. Your tickets, you're good insurance. to go. You're punched. So like yeah. the, the perseverance of the saints only makes sense in a... Uh, reform context because it has the idea of justification and sanctification like those yeah. two things have to go hand in hand along with perseverance like you are saved and you are being saved mm -hmm. right exactly and i think that's a big time what's being left out is and i definitely had it left out for a long time i didn't understand sanctification at all like i didn't understand that it was all the work of god and he was continually working on you to conform you to the image of christ like so I think that's a big, yeah. I always think that, like, do people not really, people really just aren't understanding what sanctification is. Yeah, and I, I guess because it is that idea that it's all on you. You have to keep, you have to make the right choice, but you have to keep making the right choices, like as if we could in the first place. Yeah, right. And I, I think that's a good example of the of an argument from humanity rather in, in logic and reason 
rather than an argument from scripture, because their thinking is if I can just, if it's just faith and my, my, my deed, my, my, my sins are not counted against me in any way, or like, then that must, how do how do you keep people in line? How do people stay on the right path? How, what keeps them from doing eight ball of Coke? What does, you know, like, if you don't, don't tell people that because then they're going to go do it. You know, <laughs> like, I think that's the, the human logic going on there is right. thinking there has to be some risk. There has to be some like, mm-hmm. don't, don't, don't lose it. You have it. Take care of it. I, at least someone said you have it, take care of it. And like, it's this egg that we have to like, don't, <laughs> don't stray, you know, don't, we're, we're on a high wire. Don't be careful. Watch your step or you're going to fall. And you lose your salvation again. And I don't understand how that isn't, how they're all not all Catholic, because that's exactly what Catholicism is of, of you lose your salvation. You get take mass and confess and regain it. You're good to go. Get yeah. re-up every, you know, sacrament. And so I don't understand because that's literally what they believe. Maybe just on a quicker timeline of just like, I want to ask someone once saved always, or, or uh, lose your salvation person, what what does your day look like you know <laughs> like literally because i because I, I don't know what my days look like and how often i sin in them so right. it's like uh, is, every time you're sitting in traffic you're just repenting all <laughs> the whole time or like every and like what is it every thought makes you lose your salvation like you're going you wake up you're saved because you prayed last night and so you wake up you're good for eight hours saved and then your kids, your kids <laughs> start screaming. Right. You can, you can get pissed off at them. Oh, just lost it. You know, like how, how far in the day can you get without right. sinning? Even a thought of sin. And it's like you're, you're, you're constantly just like have to be repenting and confessing, not for the, for the glory of God and for the, the gratitude of his salvation that's already been given you, but in a constant working to get it, working to keep it. And what what about sins you're unaware of right you know yeah. like it's just it's what a what a yoke what a burden like what a <laughs> terrible just life to be going every single day having to be conscious of like oh was, was that a sin uh were they mad at me because of what i said or well, i mean we talked about wrong or? uh the other day like just the idea like well what are the greatest commandments love god with all that you are and love your neighbors you love yourself yeah. like who amongst us can even do the first who yeah. can love god perfectly with all that you are yeah that was some you know uh i guess i probably shouldn't say people's names but someone <laughs> at church asked me that he's like that's what i would want to ask people uh, you know the greatest commandment love the lord your god with all your heart all your soul and all your mind have you done that in the last five minutes right have, have you done that in the last five hours like how and i remember getting into someone they're like yeah I'm like <laughs> that's a bold okay. statement that's a pretty bold yeah. statement of like really how have you loved God with all your mind right now? You're sitting there right. arguing with me. What <laughs> is that? How with all your heart, with all your like, how how specifically are you doing that? You know. And then the only the the one I answer I got on Facebook conversation was uh, by observing the law, and I think it was a Torah observer. And I was like, so you so you obey the command by obeying His command. So the command is a law: love the Lord your God with all your heart. How do you do that? By loving, by obeying, the, by following the law. Okay, so you follow the law specifically by following the law. Right. You're, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, you're not, that's not an answer. 
So, well, I mean, the law specifically that we can't keep, like, we know we can't keep the law, but that's how you, by keeping the law, that's how you love God. Yeah. I think that's how it, I think that's kind of where it gets twisted too, though, is the law, the law is supposed to show us how simple we are, that right. we can never, that we can never live up to God's standards. But the teachers and Torah observance teach is that the law brings you righteousness. Like you are righteous in the sight of God when you are obeying his law, instead of looking at it being like, oh my gosh, I'm such a sinner. I could never fulfill this. I could never do this. This is why I need a savior. You know what I mean? That's, uh, man, I really would like to sit down with a Torah observant person and talk about righteousness and sanctification and just justification in general. Just like, you know, we conclude man is justified by faith apart from works of law. How do you understand that? Because they use the, the James verse that you're justified by your works and faith. Yeah. Mm, okay. <laughs> See, and it's, it's so tricky because <laughs> as a theonomist, I'm like, yeah, if you're saved, you'll keep the law. Like, obviously, why is that a hard discussion? But then it becomes down to like, well, all of it. Like, okay, including sacrifices. Well, not that one. Okay, my bad. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, m many, many women that are Torah observant probably don't leave their houses for seven days when it's that time of the month. Right. Most of them probably don't have a fence on their roof. I mean, because it's not applicable to today. But according to the word, if you don't leave your house for seven days when you're, when it's that time of the month, then you're guilty of all of the law. You're right. guilty of right. all of it. Yeah, all exactly. <laughs> And that's interesting because Paul and James both make that argument. Paul says, if you put yourself under one commandment of the law is your righteousness, you're under all of it. And then James says, if you've broken one, you've broken all of it because the same lawgiver gave all of the law. So like they meet and I, you know, that's a problem too with Paul and James is that people like to pit them against each other. And just instead of looking at like, well, Paul's arguing this, James is arguing, they're arguing two sides of the same coin. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, Nick commented we're under the law of christ now which yes nick that is also correct uh i don't know if nick are you a theonomist i don't know if you are or not we never i don't think we ever talked about that no i hate god's law <laughs> i mean that's the assumption right if that's you're not Doug wilson's answer yeah if you're not a theonomist it's like oh i i decided that we could come up with a better standard than god could yeah and we do observe the sacrifices in christ like right. so so we, the animal sacrifice we observe that law in christ in the perfect sacrifice right so yeah the jews observed it by sacrificing insufficient animals and we as as pointing to the ultimate sacrifice and, and but we also believe in sacrifice of blood but, i mean they don't they don't understand the, like she said they don't make that differentiation between ceremonial uh judicial and uh like moral yeah moral like there's no separation like the feasts Yes, they pointed to Jesus. Also, we have to keep them. Have to yeah. keep them. That's the part. Oh, they, they keep. Do they keep kosher? Like Torah observant keeps kosher. Absolutely. What Absolutely. about with Peter? Like with the with the blanket of nope. food and. Nope. They say that's just, just about the house. And and then uh, in the. Um, do not call unclean. What I like. Yeah, he, they say that's just referring to Gentiles. Um, and then in the what what verse were you talking about, Julie, the other day? Uh, the it's an acts and there it's the council of, oh yeah the council of jerusalem when they're trying to decide if they need okay. to put the gentiles under the law yeah so they give them they give them four things but mm -hmm. the very last verse in that is um they'll hear they'll hear moses in the synagogues on the sabbath and so how the teachers teach that is yeah they just gave them those four things to start out with so they didn't bombard them and then they're going to teach them the rest of the law in the synagogues on the sabbath which is kind of confusing because what happens to everybody after 70 AD when there's not synagogues and there's, <laughs> and they don't have anywhere to go. Like, do they just not get taught anymore? You know what I mean? Well, thankfully we have these rabbis to tell us now. Otherwise 
right? And how do they how do they feel okay calling people rabbi? That's that's a big one too. Don't call any man rabbi because you all have one teacher. Like, oh, okay. Except well, rabbi no. Rabbi Steve said. Yeah. They call him rabbi and yeah. Torah observant. They call themselves rabbis, dude. Are they rabbi? just like Christians who just like want to be Jews, but like I, know that they can't? I mean, if there's one like, thing Christians love more than other Christians, it's Jews. <laughs> that's very true. Well, we got to keep that alliance for Armageddon. We got to keep that. God, Dude, tell real. me about it. I'm right here by John Hagee. It hurts me every day. <laughs> With my blood moon timeline oh, and Israel's gonna, yeah. <laughs> but that, but I think that was something I fell into because I would always say like, the teachers always teach, you know, like just stay in the Bible. I'm Don't read doctrines of men. Right. Uh, all the time they would say that, you know, don't lean on doctrines of men. At the same time, I'm telling everybody, get in your Bible, don't lean on doctrines of men as I'm listening to <laughs> Rabbi over here teaching me who's a man you know telling you his doctor right they're very very um they they have no problem listening to their teachers right but they think it's absolutely ridiculous for anyone else to listen to other teachers which is yeah i mean really not fair if you think about it well i mean it's hard to tell people what to believe when you have dissenting opinions that they're also listening to yeah uh nick says if you listen to some of them they can twist texts like galatians really well i think psalm 119 ministries they can be convincing if you're not careful psalm 119 is one i've heard a lot before people yep. reference that's a big one psalm 119 and mtoi mtoi that's a good one right. yeah man it's it's such a weird and i i can understand how it's like a sideways step for most american christians because most american christians are in love with Israel. Yeah, there's sure. a way to but, there's a yeah, way to we, not be American gospel and also not be Jewish in your <laughs> Christianity. Yeah, I mean, and it, they it makes sense. It, like... Go ahead. Go ahead, Adam. Go ahead. I mean, it makes sense when you grow up American gospel. It's like, well, this is shallow. Yeah, these guys right. have something yeah. deeper. Like yeah. I, that must be right. Right. It seems hardcore. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it yeah. really does. And that's what I mean, a lot of them come from like, just a heart of wanting to be obedient. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, it comes, mm -hmm. and they and they totally get deceived. I definitely was. And so, I mean, I do, I do, I do feel sad, because I know that they come from a lot of them come from like a pure heart of just wanting to obey. And yeah. they don't come at it, you know, they don't come at it thinking like, they, they come at it really saying like, I'm only saved through Christ. But by the end of it, you're really thinking you're really only saved if you're doing Torah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, do, yeah. That is something to keep in mind because that is that 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 I think can give us a heart for uh, mm -hmm. Torah observant people of like like because you said like that that is true they just don't want to be shallow in their once saved always saved American gospel of like cultural right. Christianity and it is it, it it's so sickening so it's like there is that temptation of like you know what I'm just gonna go hardcore and like just observe Torah you know and I've kind of experienced the same sort of it's interesting because as we talk about this i think when, when we're on facebook and we're going back and forth with people and we're just battling ideas and arguments and theology and apologetics and everything i think we can really just stay up here and mm. that that's a, a dangerous place to be because then we are just trying to win the argument and not trying to win the person and so for me specifically when, as i'm kind of studying more about catholicism gearing up for this debate um I remember reading, the, I think it was actually James White who was talking about how like, look, we have to have a heart because it's hard as a Catholic person who is praying to their dead husband, like 
they're speaking to them, you know, they go to the grave and like talk to them. And, and that's, a, that's so comforting and so uh, helpful to, to have closure and to just be still in communication. But the Bible forbids communication with the dead. And so to tell somebody that that's a sin is, uh, there's no way, like, are you kidding me? That is such a hard, like, so I think we really have to have a heart for how hard that can be to come out of, of like, look, I'm talking to my dad, you know, you're not going to tell me that's a sin. And we can't just come in hot of like, you need to repent, like whatever. It's like, look, there there needs to be some patience and grace with that of, of really understanding where their heart is coming from, what their intentions are and and what they think that they're doing. And And that can be hard, but I think it's something that we really need to keep in mind as far as our heart for people and that, that need the truth and and just speak the truth in love. So, yeah. So with the Torah observant wanting to be real with their faith, that's understandable, you know, and yeah, that's, that's something that we definitely need to keep in mind. So, I mean, the real problem with, I guess, Catholicism too and Torah observance, I, I was at a Catholic funeral this week. And uh, I was at the viewing, not the not the uh, burial. But, I saw you know, your memes. Yeah, I saw the memes with the, it's like when they open with the Apostles' Creed. He's like, yeah. "Then they do hell Marys." <laughs> but it's so it's so bizarre to be there because they really believe because they've grown up believing that if they do this, their dead relative is going to heaven. Yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah. That's what they've been fed. Yeah, on top, it's so sinister. I don't know, man. I mean, is are, are is the hierarchy sinister, or are, like are they also just deceived? Like, you know, where does where does it stop to where it's like you're you're a deceiver and you're you've been deceived? Like, where's the differentiate? You know, you talk about right. thousands of years, yeah, of, <laughs> of ways of doing it, man. Um, yeah, that's hard. Uh, yeah, we talked about Joseph Smith. Uh, me and another friend talked about Joseph Smith, whether or not he really believed what he was saying. Or if he was just a deceiver, I, I think he was just straight up conning people. But I think so too. <laughs> I, I think I think Joseph Smith was a con man looking for an angle, found a good one, found a good one, a real found, good one. found you know, did some work, wrote a book, you know, and and sold it. And uh, I, honestly, I don't. Th- I think if it wasn't for Brigham Young, Mormonism wasn't wouldn't have passed uh, Joseph Smith because Brigham oh, Young yeah. really kept came in and like kept it going and like okay this is what we're gonna do because i don't know i feel like i'm trying to think of an example of like an idea man is crazy and just like oh this this whatever and then uh the, he was the, the steve jobs of, of yeah uh, but then like <laughs> the, yeah <laughs> right and yeah he was like the steve jobs the dreamer the big picture guy yeah. and then Brigham Young was kind of the business CEO that came from a religious tradition of like, right. he was like okay, I know how to, I know how to right. make this a real big thing. So uh, and, yeah, and I don't think Mormonism would have be, went beyond Joseph Smith if it wasn't for Brigham Young. So. And yeah, is, it, is Ellen White in Seventh-day Adventist? She's Seventh-day Adventist, yeah. Ellen White. Yeah. And, and when kind of what you're saying, Julian, where's the line between being deceived and being a deceiver? Because how many prophecies has she gotten wrong and yet right. they still, they still teach what she said. So, I mean, at what point are they deceiving and at what points are they deceived? Man, it's, it, yeah. it's hard when, cause I've had conversations go two different ways where I've asked somebody like, 
did she have a false prophecy? And they will say, I don't believe she ever had a false prophecy. It's like, okay, I have to assume that you've never looked into this and you're just telling me what you've been told. But there's yep. other conversations you have where they say, well, you know, Constantine instituted Sunday worship and it comes from Pegasus. Okay, okay let me show you why that's incorrect. Okay, well, even so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, even so, even if that's not correct, it's still not correct. Okay, well, now you're just disregarding the truth. Like you're married to this idea for whatever reason. I, what are the I, I, big what are the big uh uh dividing lines between uh with seventh-day adventists because that's not something i know i'm too familiar uh sunday worship is like the biggest one that i've found one they're they're uh they're oh, okay seventh-day adventists i kind of figured that right out. well the idea is that the the sunday worship is the mark of the beast yeah that's their like if you go to church on sunday you're part of the beast system how's that so how's is that written on our foreheads or <laughs> well they're also i mean they're they came out of that you know 1800s early america doomsday kind of so, same time so as everybody else they're super apocalyptic right they're yeah. super like super yeah. apocalyptic. And, yeah. and okay that makes sense with the whole david koresh branch davidian and they, thing of like they thought and they, they take the elect they don't believe in predestination at all but they believe that there's a remnant of people that are going to mm -hmm. be saved to get them through the end times the 144,000 or is that I don't think like a, they're as hardcore about it as Jehovah's where it's like it is only 144,000 and that's it yeah. it's more of like a remnant idea yeah yeah but it's it's the same kind of thing where they're like uh it, it, it comes down to the law again and but to them this the law that's the the one that you have to stick to is the sabbath like that's the sabbath observance if you, hmm. if you don't stick to that you're completely out you're part of the beast system the Pope is the Antichrist, all that good stuff. Yeah, that's one that I'm kind of seeing that a lot of people, the Pope is the Catholicism, the Pope is the Antichrist, and they're linking that with, with Rome, which right. yes. we would say Nero is the right. Rome, the beast. Literal Rome, not yeah. figurative Rome. <laughs> yeah, not Roman Catholic. Like, uh, that's interesting because they're, they're, they're kind of like getting, it's like you're almost getting it right. You, you're, you're right when you say Rome. Like right, that's, just that's the not, wrong Rome. Not Catholicism, yeah. Well, I mean, it's weird because Catholicism technically isn't really Roman, right? Like it's Byzantium in its origin. Like Constantine yeah. wasn't in Rome. He was in Byzantine. Rome meant nothing. Like Rome yeah. was like. Yeah, Rome it, was it, dead. It, it, it didn't mean it nothing, but it was like, okay. Like it was kind of there. Like Clement was not a pope. Like he's, he didn't think like, oh, I'm, a pope, I'm pope now. Or like the, and then Nicaea, the, you know, the Rome, Roman bishop was not like, here comes a pope. You know, it was like, <laughs> what? Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Um, it's, I talked about somebody with this when we were talking about cults, and I was like, where, where where's the line where you define something as a, a a religion or a sect, and where does it become a cult? Yeah, how do you, you define know? that? How do you define I, cult? For, in for me, part of it is a is a prophet. Prophet? Like if you have your own prophet, you're probably oh, yeah. in a cult. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's because I mean that's you know Joseph Smith. You have so we, a watchtower. So would you say Jesus? Well, see, the difference is that our prophet didn't show up, like, in the 1800s and reinterpret the Bible for us, you know? <laughs> That's where it gets a little squirrely, like, oh, it's a new prophet. Like, I mean, the end of Hebrews is in, you know, or the beginning of Hebrews is in, in, in previous times, God spoke yeah. to our fathers through the prophets, but now he's spoken to us in these last days through his son. What about Paul? <sighs> you know, I heard somebody talk about what's the difference between apostle and prophet. And one of the things, too, is I think we have a weird idea of prophet. Like in the American context, prophet means I see the future. 
But in yeah. the biblical context, that's not necessarily a prophecy means like they were warning about coming judgment. But the idea was calling people to repent like a prophet. And I guess in that sense, it's kind of like an apostle. That's what the apostles did was preach repentance. That, I, the, yeah. the, the primary function of a prophet was to preach repentance, not to see the future. Yeah, the difference to me seems to be like a prophet like steps into the public square, proclaims, and then peace. Like, yeah, that's okay, it's I'm true. Out, kinda, it's not like, hey, I'm writing you a letter from jail, and this is what to do, and God spoke to me, and this is you know what happened, and eyewitness accounts, and I walked with him, and he's you know, uh, God breathed. I mean, it is you know, prophecy is God breathed, but I don't know. It's like Maybe the difference between like a news anchor and a reporter, you know, like an investigative journalist versus a, a news anchor. I mean, news Paul anchor. didn't show up and set up a religion around himself either, you know? Yeah. Like, like a news anchor is declaring it and it's like, right. Here, I got a message, thus saith the Lord. And that's prophecy. Whereas the apostles are like, this is how you do it. This I was on the mean. ground. This is what all these things mean, man. Like, this is how you mm -hmm. live your life and this is what you're supposed to do. And just like really getting into the nitty gritty of things. I don't know. Maybe that's totally ignorant but uh <laughs> yeah um yeah cult i mean cult like a difference between a religion and a cult for me like the way i you know, someone said christianity is a cult um it's kind of it's kind of double it's kind of you, you know you can't have it both ways because they'll say you're so divided you you got so many ideas going on you guys all disagree with each other you're all going different ways there's so many different denominations or whatever it's like, okay, that's because that we're not a cult, you know, like, and I speak with Jehovah's Witness and he, he was saying, uh, you know, if you, if you, we're all speaking the same message every day on Sunday, you go to New York, you go to California, you go to Chicago, whatever, we're all on the same topic. We're all talking about the same thing at the same time. And we're all on one translation. We're all on one doctrine. We're all on one whatever. Like that's cultist characteristics. If there's right. one line of like you, this is it, and if you're not in this one kind of vein, then you're out. That's that to me is cultish. Is uh, a, a big cultist characteristic is groupthink. We're mm. all thinking the same thing at the same time, going in the same school of fish kind of thing. There's where, no question. There's no dissent. Yeah, and and well, people want to make that accusation against Christianity, but at the same time say we're all divided and there's so many different denominations and people are, have different doctrines or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, which what, you can't have both ways. Or, you know, what, <laughs> well, it what depends are, what angle you're arguing from. If you're an atheist, then we're all sheep. If you're a cultist, then we're all divided and we don't have any truth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jehovah's Witness will say that and the atheists yeah. will say you're all together. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. Cult being an early american religion is another one if, if your religion started in like the 1800s i'm like oh this sounds this sounds rough Have you but i don't think a lot of people know like that a lot of it didn't start till the 1800s i think that a lot yeah. of people that it's just what has always been i i definitely thought especially with like revelation in time stuff i just mm -hmm. thought that was i, I mm -hmm. never realized there were so many different views i just thought it was what everybody believed we all had a futuristic idea yeah and that, that like who could who wouldn't trust kirk cameron why would he steer us wrong <laughs> right <laughs> Right. <laughs> Abby, how's that been? With I know you've kind of been sinking your teeth into eschatology and stuff recently. How's that been as far as like, look, you know, going from not just like, what, there's something other than dispensational pre-mill to what are these views? What's on-mill? What's post-mill? What's, you know, 
how's that been for you as far as just like exploring that yeah it's been it's been kind of it was confusing at first but now I think that I'm kind of get my bearings on it definitely especially with the millennium and everything um now like now that and I don't know I, I keep going back like all millennialism mm-hmm. posts I mean I, I see both views so I'm still studying it out but um definitely with the millennium like there's just so many verses to me that it's just like there's just no way like I don't know I guess once you see once you see it you can't unsee it does that make sense yeah <laughs> like I can't there's no way I could ever go back there it's almost but like Calvinism. Same, yeah it's true <laughs> but at the same time it's just kind of like how do you how do you talk to people who are adamant like are terrified that they're going to be living when the mark of the beast and there's going to be temple and the antichrist is going to sit in the temple and like i mean you know what i mean it's i don't know it's it's, it's a tough stuff i mean i was that and it just what broke it down for me was just starting to understand like oh okay it doesn't say antichrist in revelation why are those two things linked together and then finding out there's no real reason other than somebody said so it's like oh okay well maybe this isn't true like I, yeah. I think most most people who believe, like you said, this was the only idea. It's what everybody believes. It's what the truth is. But we've never actually looked into it to see if that's actually true. Yeah. Right. And I think um, you know Satan being bound. A big part of that is people are like, well, Satan's not bound. Look at all the evil. Look what's what's going on in the world. But we don't really truly understand how evil we are in the first place. So of course there's mm. going to be evil, and especially yeah. whenever people don't have Christ, like sin's always going to be a thing until it's dealt with in the end. You know what I mean? So that's something that's never going to go away. But we also have like a really small view of what Christ is doing, building his church. Like we don't, yes. we don't understand that yes. at all. Yes. We don't yes. understand that. <laughs> we don't see that Satan's bound against the church. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And there's By this idea that you, you hit what you aim house. for. Yeah. There's this idea that Doug Wilson talks about, like if you, you hit what you aim for. Like if you think the church is shrinking and that Christianity is going to dwindle and that's going to affect how you evangelize. That's going to affect how you share Christ. It's like, well, you know, you even have like Michelle Bachman, like praising world war three. Cause that means Jesus is coming back. Let's <laughs> bring on Armageddon and bring on nuclear war. And it's like, I can't think of anything more unchristian than that of like this. What are you talking about? That's insane. So yeah, if we do have a, a, a small dim view of the power of the gospel and the church and how it will grow in history and honestly i think we're in the infancy of the church that that's another wrong perspective i think we have is that we think we're grown we're the church is like 50 years old as, as, a, as a man <laughs> middle-aged man we're coming to the end it's coming you know and, and we've yeah. kind of been thinking that for about 30 or 40 years so it yeah this idea that like I, honestly you know two, 2020 i think we're in the infancy i think we're like two years old like because people are like, look how bad it's getting. You're talking about a timeline you don't even know about. This timeline could be 10,000 years. You know, like we, we don't know. You talk about 2020. We're, it's like getting your, your son, my, my son turned three and like starts melting down when he loses his toy or something. <laughs> it's like, where did this come from? What are you? And, and by all accounts from one years old, from newborn to three, he's getting worse, you know. And it's like, he's three, just wait. And I think that's yeah. how we look at the church and look at humanity and mankind in the world is like, man, it's bad. Oh, just turn on the news. Oh, it's horrible. Oh, just look out the window. Oh, it's, it's terrible. It's like, we're two years old. What do you like? 
Well, even that, man. You know, I mean, like, maybe. We don't know. Like, we don't – maybe we're 10 years old. I don't know. Like, in the sense of history, even, when they say, like, it's so bad now. Like, I can think of nine other times in history when it's been worse than it is now. I, yeah, I got into this conversation with somebody, like, oh, man, I wish we could go back into this time. I was like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> uh, 2020 uh, – <laughs> February 12th, 2020 is the best day to be alive. Right. It is the best time to be alive. Are you kidding me? Even just like 20. Oh, it's crazy. Like, what era would you like to live in? This, right now. Right. (laughs) I had one person say like, wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines. And look, it's all going on now. I'm like, that's just all been going on since forever. Forever. You know when that wasn't going on? When when the Roman Empire controlled most of the known world. That's when there was no worry about wars. It was all good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and people like, oh, man, it's so terrible. It's like, we used to have duels in the street where people just (laughs) shot each other. I still think we should bring that back. We used to have mob rule. We used to have just like like people just pulling people out of homes and killing them and just rape and pillage and just barbarian like and that was the good thing you were supposed to dominate other people and might makes right and i'm stronger so i'm going to kill you and that's good that's the right way to be it's like we're so far past that now and that's good like that's the world is getting better like well i mean every time there's a you know anything it's like oh this is the end it's like what about in europe when like a three-fourths of the population was dead from the black plague like that was pretty yeah. bleak i think they yeah. had a better reason to think it was the end than we do as opposed yeah. to now when like you don't die from stubbing your toe. When we look at coronavirus and we're like, oh, it's like that's a pneumonia that like some <laughs> old people It's got a 1% die. fatality. Yeah, like you're talking about the Black Plague took out like half the population of the world. <laughs> but I think that's the problem is Christians are more focused on what's going on in the world and self and Satan and not what Christ is doing now. We, we are totally fixated on the wrong thing. So if you're, I mean, if we're fixated on only sin, only Satan, only the bad, then that's all you're going to see. You're, you're never going to, you're never even going to spread the gospel because all you're doing is talking about yeah. all the bad things that are happening. And that's why we Waiting can all agree beginning. that Satan does not control Hollywood. But again, it, it, that, that's what it, that's, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's still that idea of like, well, how do you keep people in line? You got to, you got to have them waiting for the rapture. You got to keep them ready. Mm, it could happen at any minute. You never yeah, know. Yeah, you got to stay ready. You got to be on your game because any minute, you know, your clothes could fall to the ground and you disappear. <laughs> and Which is crazy that we think we can keep ourselves in line anyways. Like, isn't that why Jesus had the sanctification is a thing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it, it really is that it comes from human reasoning and human logic rather than scripture, the truth of scripture, as far as what it says about about the end times about eschatology and, and what you think about the end really does affect what you do now and how you behave mm-hmm. now it's like yeah. if you think the world is going to become more christian and the gospel will succeed in history that's going to affect how you share the gospel at school or how you share the gospel with your family or how you share the gospel at work like what if you you know thought your entire campus entire university could become christian what if you mm. actually thought that was possible what if you shared christ with your city and you actually, what if it could actually happen? You know, like, let me float this crazy idea behind you. The gospel <laughs> will not return void. And that Christianity will grow and people will cling on to ideas like peace and love and liberty and faith and hope. What, what if that's true? And what if that can grow? And it's like, that's going to affect like, man, wow, okay. So it could happen. You know, if you had Jesus Christ tell you yourself, hey, if you share the gospel at work, you're in t- you can have a revival and everybody, majority of people at your work become saved. 
if, if, if that's being told to me, it's like, whoa, okay. Uh, that's going to affect how I do it or whether I do it. And you know what I mean? So well, it, that, it, really, I mean, that, it really affects it. Wilson talks too about how uh, that kind of affects what you're willing to lose in this life. Like the, the, the idea that the, the world is going to get worse and we're just all going to get saved out of here, I think breeds kind of like a weakness and an unwillingness to, to risk as much. Uh, Wilson talks about how like the soldier that dies at the foot of the hill knows that the strategy is to take the hill and he has confidence that they're going to take that hill. He's not dying at the foot of the hill thinking everybody else is going to die on the way up and they don't get the hill. Like if we're, if we believe that this fight is already over, we've already yeah. won, we're willing to die for that victory. That's for sure. For sure. I love, I love that. I love that analogy he gives of, I, I, I don't know if I can't remember if it's World War Two or. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> World War II, and, and, yeah. and they're surrounded. This is mm-hmm. general, and there's got a small group, and they're surrounded on every side. They're on like a, they're in a valley, and they're surrounded by the enemy on the mountains, and they're like hopelessly outnumbered, and they're just they're, they're there. And his attitude, he sees this, he looks around, and he sees the enemy all around in his attitude, and he says, "Well, they can't get away now." Right. <laughs> and it is just this like. We, you're not going to get away now. We have them. <laughs> They're right here. But I mean, we're and expecting perfect. We're that's expecting a great attitude to have. Yeah. Instead, we're expecting to be defeated and like yeah. God has to come in at the we, We're literally waiting for a Deus Ex Machina to come in and save us at the last yes. minute. And we're, and we're like, and it, yeah, that does make us hopeful for a World War Three or some sort of <laughs> ho- terrible world conflict or something. It's really as soon crazy. as Israel bombs yeah, all the Muslims just... out of the Middle East, we're good to go. We just need all of those people to die, and then we're good to go. Yeah. More Christians are talking and warning people about the New World Order and the satanic elite than we are about the church and Christ. Well, I mean, that gives us a physical, ironically, it gives us a physical, tangible enemy to look at, as opposed to what Paul says, like, well, Mm. our enemy's not flesh and blood, it's principalities and powers, Mm. as opposed to that guy. Those are the bad guys. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Well, on that yeah. note, I think we'll call it for the night for the first yeah. one. That was pretty long. Uh, maybe next week we'll have like a definitive topic to nail down. Maybe we'll go over uh, tour observance like real deep. We'll really get into the minutiae of it yeah. as much as we can. That's a good idea. And yeah. tag all your tour observer people so they can leave their comments and we can see conflicting yeah. ideas, shared ideas, where they're the same, where they're different. Because I, I honestly don't know if there's is there like a figurehead, like a authoritative top guy that is like speaking for every, or is it more who's like the Pope of Torah observance? Yeah, who's who's the high priest? Where's who's the Caiaphas? James? Who's the who's the Matt Chandler? Who's the <laughs> who's the Billy Graham of Torah observance? I, I definitely think uh, one nineteen MTOI Rob Skiba. Oh, Rob Skiba is my boy. I love Rob Skiba. Um, uh, I know there's another one. Triumph for Truth. That's a big one too. Uh, I've heard that one a lot. Yeah, Abby, I remember you. I remember you saying that you tried to go. I don't know if it was like Passover. Like I remember you seeing you having a conversation with somebody talking about Torah observing and like the red flags you started seeing. Uh, and one of them was they asked if your yeah, husband yeah, was. They weren't, yeah, we weren't. We weren't going to be allowed to go to Passover if my husband wasn't circumcised. So wait. So you were in Torah observant, going to Torah observant knowing your husband's not circumcised was that wait what or he was was he 
he he is oh okay <laughs> he is but they were saying if he's not then we weren't welcome at passover okay so you know because in the old testament they if you were going to go to passover you had to be circumcised and so right. they live exactly according to that way they so they're saying <laughs> no, I guess I just took our word for it that he was, but <laughs> so you just well, told them and they're like, "Cool, go in." But but I did wonder, like, because if we had done, we didn't plan to circumcise, and so I'm like, so does that mean we're just like kicked out? Like we're kick, can't come to Passover anymore? Sorry. Yeah, I'm so, sure all the anti-vax, yeah, people like with the or the uh, uh, what is it, in, intactivists that are against circumcision. <laughs> 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 That's so, I want to start putting that on invitations for every event I have. Circumcised, I have like the checkbox. <laughs> circumcised, circumcised. <laughs> and we're going to check. <laughs> we'll have yeah, checkers I, at the door. That was another, I think, Julian, weren't you in that conversation with me? Maybe not. Maybe I was just telling you about it when they were saying that, like, who, who was it? Oh, man. Who was it in, that is not circumcised? And they said that they never circumcised him. Um, that Thaddeus, no... Mm. timothy that got circumcised no and then there was somebody that didn't get circumcised and they said they didn't but the their argument was that he would have been eventually like sanctification will lead to observing torah that's, and eventually will get circumcised that's so bizarre circumcision because, of the heart yeah well I, there's literally a verse where paul says if you were saved uncircumcised stay that way if you were saved circumcised stay that way like that's yeah. literally a verse in the text yeah. and they're saying yeah. well no but not though yeah yeah that's a yeah, weird one. Maybe, we can, maybe we can talk about that next week and maybe yeah. i can make a status and uh ernie is saying it was titus titus that's what it was thanks ernie it's interesting to talk about why timothy was circumcised too because that's one that was a head scratcher for me for a while like well why did he get circumcised like why did that happen and it's it's an interesting conversation to have about why did he yeah and you know as opposed to if he didn't have to why did he yeah so uh, maybe we'll get into that yeah, Corbs armor would be good. That's something I know like nothing about. So yeah, you'd kind of be quarterback in that one since you came out of yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. That'll be helpful. That'll be a lot of fun. And we gotta think about names. We gotta think about like how to really define this and like <laughs> what to not just like three jackasses. <laughs> yeah. I was I was thinking about uh kicking the pricks. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> kicking against the pricks. 